Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from iHeart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store, and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, it is fight day in Las Vegas. Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. The fight for welterweight supremacy, maybe even the fight for pound-for-pound supremacy. So we've got a great bonus episode for you this week. We begin with Al Bernstein, the Boxing Hall of Famer. He will be on the call on Showtime Pay-Per-View on Saturday from T-Mobile Arena. He joins me to talk all things Spence versus Crawford from the weight to the car accident that Spence suffered and what he looks like after that, to some of the things that Terrence Crawford can do to win. Great conversation with Al Bernstein. Later on, you are going to hear from both combatants live exclusively here on the podcast. Errol Spence will join me. Terrence Crawford will join me. We'll talk about this matchup and what it means for both men. So stick around. We have a tremendous bonus fight day episode for you, and it all begins right now with the great Al Bernstein. All right, Al Bernstein, longtime boxing broadcaster, inductee to the Boxing Hall of Fame. He will be ringside on Saturday for the biggest fight of the year, probably the biggest fight we've seen in many years when Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence face off for welterweight supremacy. That's a fight you can watch live on Showtime pay-per-view. Al also an accomplished recording artist, accomplished singer, uh, spent his Thursday night during fight week, entertaining Manny, including some boxing media, Al, because I-, I was scrolling through my timeline on Thursday, and I see pictures of you at the Tuscany Hotel 
uh, <laughs> entertaining the crowd. I mean, uh, just I know you've talked about it many times in the past, but how did that become a passion of yours? You know, I always I always liked music uh, and enjoyed performing. And then when I uh, came out to Vegas in the late 80s, I would sit in with a lot of different people and perform. And and then uh, one night before the three, three months before the Hagler Leonard fight, I was having dinner with some executives from Caesars Palace. And uh, Barry McGuigan's dad had been a, was a pub singer, had performed at the Caesars Palace Lounge three nights leading up to one of Barry's fights. And the uh, one of the executives said, don't you sing? And I said, yeah, yeah, I enjoy doing music. He said, OK, you're going to do three nights leading it up to the Hagler Leonard fight. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, I didn't have an act or a band, but I said, OK, I figured it out. We did it, and then ever since, I've been doing uh, music. Are there any similarities between performing on stage to calling a fight? Almost none, really, because it's really weird. You know, you're when you are in front of an audience, you're there with however, whether it's three hundred or four hundred or two hundred, and you're and you're interacting live with them, and it's of the moment for TV you don't see the people right chris you know you're I, I don't know how your approach is but for me it's just that one camera i'm talking to one person and or one entity and so it's it's very different i mean the only the only thing that makes it similar is um that you've got kind of an organized approach which you hope you do in terms of presenting the material but yeah it's a it's a whole different trip and 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 i think maybe that's part of what makes it fascinating to do both those things there's a lot of energy right now in las vegas for this fight um yeah do you as a broadcaster do you get that extra energy do you get nervous before a, a significant fight like this you know, I don't know if it's getting nervous. You feel the, you know the, the enormity of it, and you, uh, and honestly, I try to not let that influence me in in a certain way because to me, it's, it's like calling any other fight. Uh, though, of course, you understand it's important. Uh, so it doesn't. I don't think I feel anything super different. Because you you know every show is important and every show is something where you're being seen by a lot of people and you want to do your best. Um, so I don't know if it if it's nervous, but I will say that I started something at that Hagler uh, at the Hagler Hearns fight where I took my headphones off back in 1985 just to drink in the atmosphere at that outdoor arena at uh, Caesar's Palace, and it it kind of helped me appreciate the moment, and I do that now. For every single fight that I announce, I take that moment when they're announcing fighters, I take my headsets off, look around, and just kind of drink in the atmosphere. That's interesting. I may have to adopt that because, you know, the the, the big fights I've got a chance to work, whether it's Anthony Joshua or Taylor Serrano mm -hmm. or any of the Canelo fights, you know, people have often asked me, like, was the atmosphere great? And as you well know, if you have your headphones on, you have no idea. Like you're, you're hearing the truck in your ear. You're hearing your broadcast partners. You're, you're not getting off. a fraction of what the atmosphere is really like. No, and you're not going to through the whole fight, but that was kind of my way of just making a connection, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good idea. Uh, something I'm now going to steal from you and not uh, use. Well, good. I made a suggestion. <laughs> use in future you. fights. I'm, I'm part of the, pro the, the solution, not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got two guys here. And Spence and Crawford, mm -hmm. who are both elite, top five pound for pound yeah. guys. Spence, yeah. 
uh, undefeated, uh, Crawford undefeated. Um, what's the biggest variable for you going into this fight? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the, the maybe if you had to pick one, you just won, it might be the power or how the power will impact itself from Crawford. You know, Crawford is rightly thought of. I mean, when you look at the dictionary and you see the phrase boxer puncher in it, his picture is next to it, right? He's the ultimate boxer puncher. However, lost in that shuffle is the fact that he has the second longest um, streak of knockouts among all male uh, champions now, 10 straight knockouts. So, his power comes from counterpunching. It comes from the other fighter coming forward, helping him with the, you know, the severity of the blow, and he gets knockouts. The question in this fight is going to be, will he hurt Spence at all during the fight? Um, and if he doesn't, will he be able to? Um, will he be able to? Uh, Will he be able to, you know, continue to box, keep him off him, and make and make his game plan work for a victory? So that's one of the que- I mean, one of the questions that I'm curious to see uh, how it plays itself out. You had a chance to call Spence against Jordanis Ugas in his last fight in April yeah. of 2022. Um, it was the second fight for Errol Spence after Mm -hmm. that car accident that that nearly killed him. It was a significant car accident back in the fall of 2019. You've watched, I'm sure, a lot of Spence fights over the years. When you watch Spence versus Ugas, did you see the same fighter that you saw prior to the accident? Yeah, that's also a good question. It's one I've I've, I've discussed with people. Um, I'm going to say yes because... uh, his the, his skill set and the things he was doing don't vary, and of course that's part of the the Errol Spence story. His consistency, you know, he what you see is what you get with Errol Spence. You know, he comes into that ring, he is earnest in his and dogged in his approach. He's going to walk you down. He's going to go to the body. He's going to throw g- good right hooks, good straight left hands. Now. In the fight with Ugas, his task was made a little simpler by the fact that Ugas stayed right in the pocket with him. Uh, that doesn't mean that Ugas was without guile. Uh, he, even Ugas standing in the pocket in front of you is a clever guy. But it helped Spence be himself, if that makes any sense. And um, one of the intriguing things about this fight is, of course, he's facing the ultimate trap setter, the ultimate... Um, a fighter filled with guile and filled with, uh, you know, with uh, with clever uh, things that he does in the ring. So, we would we in this fight see something from Spence like maybe less movement than we thought we would see from him getting to Crawford. But I didn't see anything in him in Spence that looked like he was diminished physically, and there were no from the the the. Uh, car accident there was no chronic recurring thing right that you know a lot of times when fighters have either an incident with a car or a gun or 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 some injury there's one part of it that is remains chronic there hasn't been that with spence you know we hear 
trap setter or how a fighter sets traps a lot in boxing. I'm not sure a lot of many people really know exactly what that means. When you watch Crawford fight and you watch him on film, how does he do it? How does he set guys up for those knockout shots? Because he is just as powerful at 147 as he was in the lower weight classes. Yeah, which is interesting when you think about it. The way he does it is by uh, appearing to be more of a boxer, in quotes, than he actually is. He is moving. He is uh, trying to give you different angles. But he is always waiting for that moment when he can unleash a good straight left hand. And he will... The other thing about him is he's very good at immediately planting his feet to give those shots power. Sometimes people that are boxing, it's hard. It's not that easy to be moving and be able to, at an instant, plant yourself without putting yourself in harm's way. He's able to do that. And so his way of, of, of laying those traps oftentimes uh, is to give you what appears to be more movement than you're getting from him. And all the while, you're just being reeled in to get right in range for one of those straight left hands or an uppercut, you know, that he's going to land against you. That's why I think for Earl Spence, very important for him to do two things. Jab his way in and keep jabbing. Don't stop jabbing while you're coming in because that'll disrupt a little of this trap setting and move your head when you're coming in. Yeah, and... You know, I mentioned the questions I have about Spence in the aftermath of that car accident. I really don't have any, Al, about Terrence Crawford. Yeah, he's had some bouts of inactivity, you know, especially after the split with Top Rank. But, you know, he he looks at 36 just as strong or stronger as he did at 33 or 30. In fact, I can make an argument that the fact that this fight waited a few extra years may have benefited Terrence Crawford because I look at him standing there, and yeah, he's he's got a cut weight, and that's difficult, but he's a full-fledged welterweight now. He was walking around now in the 160s, whereas you know years earlier, he wasn't getting all that high. I think Crawford, the time spent waiting for this fight to happen, I think, has given Crawford a little extra time to fill into that body, and I think that'll be advantageous for him coming into this fight. That could well be, obviously, because he came up from the lower weights, and um and at each stop along the way, people have said, you know, as they often do, is that one weight class too much? Uh, and he's clearly demonstrated that 147 is not one weight class too much for him. Uh, just as we saw in a way demonstrate about 122 the other night. Um, so we, so your your uh, theory is an interesting one because he now is at the point where he is very much a full-fledged middleweight. And even when you're looking at the two just standing in front of each other for the you know, the face-off, nobody there – Terrence Crawford didn't look like somebody of a lesser weight class. You know, he had a slight height, height advantage. He, his, his body looked like it belonged exactly with Errol Spence. Uh, is And – on the flip side of that, and maybe I keep bringing up questions about Spence. Maybe this is kind of why I lean towards Crawford in, in what is very much a 50-50 fight. If I go one mm -hmm. way, it's 51-49, 52-48. But when I look at Spence, who fought in the Olympics at 152, who has been a career-long welterweight or higher, who we know over the last few months had at least one foot out the door 
towards the junior mm. middleweight division, who just said this week in an interview that this would be his last fight at 147, win or lose. It, it makes me wonder, Al, if burning that, getting down to 147, which he always does, very professional, but burning down to 147 might get, you know, might cost him something in the later rounds. I'm sure you've seen it many times in the past where that weight drain, yeah. it, it gets you if you're a certain, if you're a certain fighter in those later rounds. And I don't think Crawford's going to be as bothered by it as Errol Spence is. And, and, and every time I see him at one of these press events this week, you know, Crawford has never been an outgoing guy, but he's Crawford. Whereas Spence, you know, very he's subdued, I think, at times when I see him. And he, again, he's not a huge outgoing guy either, but. Yeah, no, I mean, Errol Spence has an equanimity about him that is interesting. I mean, even when we were doing the, I mean, just doing the fighter interviews with him and being around him and whatever. Uh, so I think some of that demeanor is his equanimity. Uh, even even a lot of people are trying to read into the idea that he turned away during the face nah, off. Does that all the time, yeah. And he looked shook and everything. It's funny. I kind of see that a little bit more as Errol Spence just saying, "Okay, it's time to turn away. I'm I'm done with this, and I'm going to turn away." And and I think there's there's a certain equanimity about him that uh, that could be something else but i think in the most for the most part it's that and um and i think that's kind of what we're you know what we're seeing here um and and i think uh that they're it's it's very hard to read in with these guys because neither of them wears their heart on their sleeve neither of them you know they've had their moments like we had at the press conference the other day with Terrence Crawford making that impassioned plea about, uh, you know, the things to do with the family and all the rest uh, and Spence reacting. But even in that, you know, it, it, it's pretty hard to read into uh, too much, I think, to it. But um, but we're going to find out. And and, you know, the, you mentioned that being ready to step out of the weight class. Yes, Errol Spence is ready to step out of the weight class. I think, though, that making the weight. When you, especially when you know you only have to do it one more time, and it's for the biggest fight of your career, I think you can you can kind of make a case that he will. And because he's, as you point out, he's done it professionally, and everything about him is about consistency. I don't think that's going to be a monstrous issue. Now, of course, we can say that, but it's only not an issue until it's an issue, right? So who knows? Maybe this final last time could be the one that's like mm, makes him just a little less and it, it's important for him in my opinion in those later rounds Crawford has a, a habit as you know of giving up a lot of early rounds often does it and then he has to come back uh with those miracle finishes you know like Joe Montana from Notre Dame a million years ago right I, I, I mean, I'm dating myself but he used to pull every game out of the fire for Notre Dame but uh so Spence doesn't want to be in a position where Crawford can do that against him because he slowed a little in those later rounds. And I give Spence a lot of credit for forcing this fight over the finish line. It certainly takes mm -hmm. two to tango here, but Spence could have made pretty good money moving up to junior middleweight yeah. to fight Keith right. Thurman. But he clearly recognized that 
this would have been legacy tainting if this fight didn't yeah. happen. I mean, we finally got Mayweather-Pacquiao. We can quibble about how it all played out, but you know, it, this maybe wouldn't have been on that level, but it would have been right below if it didn't happen. If these two guys at welterweight yeah. did not meet to determine who was the best fighter. And I give Spence a lot of credit for, you know, pushing it and saying, I'm going to stay at this weight class. Even when people are telling me, just go up, forget about it. It's getting too hard. He said, no, we got to get it done. I, I think when you make the pie chart of who deserves the most credit yeah. for this fight happening, I think Errol Spence, frankly, gets uh, a lion's share of that. Yeah, he probably was more of a of a force in that, as you point out. Obviously, both men came together and did their part, but but had Errol Spence not been as dogged in his attempt to get this fight, it's conceivable we wouldn't have had it. All right, last question for you. We rarely get a week where pound-for-pound pound rankings can get shaken up as much as they have. Uh, on Tuesday, we had Noya in a way just dominate mm -hmm. and knock out Stephen Fulton, making his case to be number one pound for pound. In the mind of you, Al Bernstein, uh, is the winner of Spence versus Crawford pound for pound? Does it depend how it plays out? Is in a way pound for pound no matter what? Where do you come down on the great pound for pound debate? Okay, so I'm going to look here like I'm a cranky Ron DeSantis and answering this question because... <laughs> I am not a pound for pound guy. I I actually it rankles me. <laughs> and so it's I'm the last, I'm probably not the right person to ask this question of, but I will frame it in a different way. What we're seeing, and as you aptly point out, we saw in a way with a, a remarkable performance against Stephen Fulton in a fight that I think we all thought would be super competitive and and a very difficult one for either man to win. Um, and I even think as we got closer to the fight, there were more people leaning to Fulton than than had previously done it. So that performance was astonishing. And of course, fans love to think about who's the best fighter in boxing. Um, so what I take away from this week is that we have this extraordinary week in which we have four of the best fighters in the sport <clears throat> you know, meeting uh, and kind of trying to show us who they think is is the best. And uh, I don't know where it ends up or where it lands. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that uh, that in a sport that is so dependent on marketing yourself through your performances as a step above, that's how extra revenue comes to you. That's how opportunities come to you. It, more and more fighters are keenly aware of of what it takes to to do that and the vehicle for that it appears is this pound for pound list that everybody likes to talk about everyone on the planet except for me apparently so yeah this is a big week in terms of the overall picture in boxing see al you're just a little too far removed from your print journalism days, because print journalism would be all about the pound for pound rankings, because that's yeah. engagement, that's web yeah, traffic, that's all apparently the good I, stuff. I've, I've gone so far to the dark side, right? <laughs> that I that I that I can't even uh, 
I can't even find the force anymore. It's a good side to be on, though. Al Bernstein from Tuscany to T-Mobile on Saturday. Oh, I like that. Alliteration. Very good. I try, Al. I try whenever I can. We'll be live on the call. Showtime pay-per-view. Spence versus Crawford. Going to be an unbelievable fight. I'm envious of you, Al, getting to sit there and call that fight. Good luck to you, and uh, I'm looking forward to a great show. Thank you, Chris. Good to talk to you. And when we come back, my conversation with Errol Spence. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Errol Spence is the undefeated, unified 147-pound champion. On Saturday, he will attempt to add the final piece of the welterweight crown to his collection. He takes on Terrence Crawford in what is easily the biggest fight of the year. Maybe the biggest fight we've seen in boxing in many years, a fight you can watch on Showtime pay-per-view. Errol, so this fight is happening days away. I know there are a lot of skeptics out there 
that didn't believe it was going to happen. I'm sure including you at, at some point over the last couple of years. How close were you to saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to 154? Yeah. Um, I wasn't close at all. You know, even my handlers was telling me to, um, to either move up or move on. Like, you know, it's too hard of negotiation, but I, I stuck to negotiation. I said, no, we can make this fight happen. You know, and, you know, eventually it happened. It definitely took a while, but um, it happened now. And I feel like this fight is the biggest fight, not only a decade, but probably the last. 20 years um, is, is very, you got a guy like him, he's undefeated. I'm undefeated. We're the best fighters in our weight class. And we're the top pound for pound, number five guys. So, I mean, you ready to get that, you know, two top five number, pound for pound guys fighting each other for all the marbles that they both undefeated. So, it's going to be huge. I can't wait for it. I'm super excited for this fight. I finally get to show everybody why I am the best Westway in the world, but I'm the best Westway in the world. I am the best fighter in the world. You could have made good money moving up in weight, fighting Keith Thurman, fought for belts there. Why was it important to you to get this fight over the finish line? Uh, because it's more about, I mean, this is not only a legacy to find a fight, but this is, this is just a, a great fight period. And I feel like I would have had his name over my head if I would have moved up and followed the people. Everybody would have still put my name with his name. And the same thing with him. They would have put my name with his name. So I feel like just to, you know, all the naysayers are saying different things. They were saying he going to be me and saying that he's a better fighter than me. I'd rather put that to rest come July 29th on Showtime for Review. I'm, not, I'm willing to put everything on the line, do everything it takes to win this fight. So everybody, you got to make sure they tune in. It's going to be one for the books. Can you remember the last time you were an underdog? <laughs> um, I think the Kale Book fight, I was, I was an underdog. <laughs> Does it feel strange being the underdog again? I definitely don't feel strange. It's, it's, it's motivation. I use everything of that in motivation. So, um, you know, it's just motivation. So people have me the underdog or people saying he has more tools than me or he's more versatile than me. All that sounds good, but I relate to, to it just like how I said in basketball with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, they're not really that appealing. People, people younger guys would choose Kevin Garnett over Tim Duncan. Because, you know, Kevin Garnett is more flashy and he's more easy on the eyes, but the Spurs are more, you know, just getting a job done. He was called Mr. Fundamentals. And that's what I am. I am fundamental sound. I do everything, you know, by the book. And, you know, I still look good. <laughs> you have not fought since April of last year. Is there any concern within you about ring rust or, you know, the, the time, the layoff? Uh, there's no no concerns. As long as I'm feeling good, I'm going to put on a great show. Um, I had, you know, I have layoff, but it's not it's not due to an injury. Last time, last two times I had layoffs, it was, because, it was from a car accident because of an eye injury. So I feel like that was a lot worse, especially from car accident. You know, I was recovering mentally, 
and all the mentally and physically too. And I still took the fight. So, you know, this time I feel like I'm well rested. You know, I've been spending a lot of time with my family and just doing the right things outside the ring to help me focus on this fight. I feel like it's having had a great time. I'm in a great headspace. And I just can't wait to show everybody what I'm capable of. Yeah, it really is remarkable that you're here, given all that you've gone through and all the things you've battled back from. Uh, one of the questions I'm sure you hear about a lot is, is Errol Spence the same fighter he was before all this, before the accident, before the eye injury? How would you answer that question? Um, I would answer by just looking at my body at work after the car accident after the eye injury, after everything that, that happens, you know, my body works speaks for itself. So people can speculate or, you know, say what they want. But if it comes July 29th on Showtime Purview, I'm going to put on another spectacular showing and show everybody why I am the best fighter in the world, why I'm the best fighter at 147 pounds, and why I will go down as, as, a, as, a, as a great, especially in the Westway division. Last question for you. Your gym nowadays is a pretty impressive place. You're there. Anthony Joshua is there. Frank Martin, your guy, is there. Jermel Charlo is there. Now Ryan Garcia is there. What's it like to kind of show up to that gym and look around and see that kind of star power? It's great. It, it pushes you hard because everybody had fights. Like Frank Martin, he just had a fight. Um, you got Anthony Joshua's fighting in August. Um, Ryan has a fight coming up. Uh, Jamel has a fight coming up. So everybody's training hard. Everybody's motivated by each other because you see everybody had different time slots, but y'all coming in and out of the gym. I'm seeing Anthony Joshua. I'm seeing them squat. I'm seeing them work out. Ryan Garcia, all them seeing me sparring, seeing me work out. So, of course, you know, you're extra motivated by seeing these guys. You want to keep working and you want to look good because, you know, another – world champion or ex-world champion or just a spectacular athlete is in the gym and he's watching work out. So it's definitely motivating just being around other great athletes and just picking each other's brains and, you know, talking to each other and figuring out different things and figure out what they do to make themselves better. And um, you tell them the same thing. How's Derek juggling those responsibilities? Uh, Derek's doing it well. Um, everybody, like I said, had different time slots. I work out, it's a hundred some degrees in the gym, so I work out in the morning <laughs> at like eight, nine o'clock. Josh will come after that. Frank come in, and then Ryan Garcia comes in. So everybody had different time slots so he can focus on each guy and make sure that everybody get everything instead of just everybody coming to the gym together and everybody's training at the same time. And, um, you know, he can't work with everybody the same way. Well, it's great that you made this fight happen, Errol. July 29th, Saturday, Showtime pay-per-view. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Good luck, man, and uh, it's going to be a great event. Uh, thank you. It's going to be spectacular, and I can't wait. And when we come back, my conversation with Terrence Crawford. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The pride of Omaha, Nebraska, Terrence. That's one of the things I like about you. You, uh, you could live anywhere, you could do anything, but you continue to live and train in the same city you grew up in. Have you ever, have you ever had a thought about leaving? I had thoughts, but if my... My grandma and my mom and uh, them don't want to move, then I can't, I can't leave them behind. Do you still live, am I right, in the same house that you bought with your first million-dollar check? Yes. I'm guessing you've added a few things over the last couple of years, though, right? Yeah, I had some kid children over the last <laughs> few years, but... I'm I'm currently getting a, a new house built right now, mm. Uh, mm. so yeah, I've been in the process of getting a new house built for uh, some time now. Mm-hmm. 
So you, you've been in Vegas for a few days now. Are you starting to feel some of the juice that's around this fight? I've been feel, felt the juice around this fight. You know, uh, this is a big fight. Everywhere I go, people's uh, talking about it prior to the fight even being made. So I know how, what's, what's at stake. I know the significance uh, that this fight is going to uh, take. And I know uh, the buildup is, 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 is great. This is now five years for you as a full-fledged welterweight. What's different from, uh, with you from the guy that moved up in 2018 to fight Jeff Horn? Oh, I'm more experienced. I'm, uh, I'm stronger. I'm more filled out. Uh, I'm just a better overall welterweight. I was going to say, you, you do look, you know, you, you have filled out. You do look physically the part of a welterweight. Do you feel stronger now having been in this weight class for five years? Oh, definitely. I feel I feel way stronger now than I did back when I fought Jeff Horn. And I uh, feel that it shows uh, when I fight. Mm-hmm. Back in 2020, you know, when this fight was, was being talked about a lot, uh, Spence was recovering from that car accident. When you were asked about fighting him back then, and I think I asked you as well, you, you said you wanted to get see him get back in the ring first before you did fight him. He's had a couple of fights since then. Uh, what do you see in the post-accident version of Errol Spence? Well, he's he did everything he had to do to keep a perfect record. He looked uh, sharp in his last fight. He did uh, real good against Ugas. And uh, he's not coming off of an accident. He's not coming off of an injury. So what better uh, time to fight than right now? Do you see the same fighter? Yeah, I see the same fighter. I just think he's more uh, mature now and uh, taking things a little more serious than he once was back back then. What would you say is the most dangerous thing about Errol Spence? Uh, I would think... I don't know. really can't say. Because I've never been in a ring with him, so I can't actually uh, say. Probably his relentless is, is... and his ability to wear fighters down. Mm. Have you had to train any differently for this fight, considering the challenge? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, just sharpen up myself and make sure that I'm 110% ready for whatever he brings to the table. Mm. I'm sure you've, you've, you saw or at least heard about what Inouye did on Tuesday night or Tuesday morning, I guess. Uh, you see a lot of people saying that in a way should be number one on the 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 pound for pound list uh regardless really of what happens between you two on saturday in your mind is the winner of this fight unquestionably number one pound for pound 100 percent. everybody in the world knows that the winner of this fight is number one pound for pound fighter in the world undisputed mm-hmm. you know uh there's no comparison not to take anything away from in a way He's a uh, talented fighter. He's he's great at what he does. 
and uh, he looked spectacular in his uh, recent fight. But everybody in the world know this is a fight where you got the number one pound for pound fighter fighting the number four pound for pound fighter in the world. Uh, no disrespect to Stephen Fulton, but he wasn't nowhere near the pound for pound list. So that tells you something right there. Well, either way, it's going to be a great fight. Terrence, good luck to you on Saturday. I'm glad this fight's finally happening. Glad for you. Glad for boxing. And uh, it's going to be a great event, man. Good luck. Thank you. All right, time now for my official prediction. And this was as tough a pick to make as I've ever had to make since I've been making picks on this podcast. These two guys are equals. They are. Uh, Spence probably has a little bit of a better resume. Crawford, I think, is a little bit more naturally talented. But in every possible way, it's a 50-50 fight. So my official prediction... Terrence Crawford by decision. Got this at plus 165 over at FanDuel. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, For starters, I think Crawford has a few too many tools that he can go to in a fight like this. What I mean is that I think Crawford's a little more dynamic than Errol Spence. I think he can win a boxing match. I think he can win a brawl. I think he's got power in both hands and has really grown into that over the last seven years since he's been fighting Uh, at welterweight so or five years I guess since he's been fighting at welterweight so I think he has a little bit more in the tank than Errol Spence I'm also frankly a little concerned about where Errol Spence is right now I mean he's got a great resume no question about that beating almost everybody at 147 but he has fought just two times since that horrific car accident back in the fall of 2019 in between He had a significant eye injury that cost him an opportunity at a major Manny Pacquiao fight. And, you know, is something that I still wonder about even to this day. So factor all those things in. And I think Crawford has a slight edge. I think Spence is going to win some of the early rounds because Crawford is a slow starter. But I think Crawford gains steam in the middle portion of the fight and towards the end and winds up winning a close decision. So I'm taking Terrence Crawford by decision, plus 165 over at FanDuel. That's my pick. It is going to be, though, a terrific fight on Saturday night. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Al Bernstein, Errol Spence, and Terrence Croft for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.